Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I forget that these podcast hosts are just normal people behind a mic. And then Liz Loza tells Eric at home to just f*** right just off. Just f- right <laughs> off, Yeah. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo, and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, and I am joined by Yahoo Sports Senior Draft Analyst. Do we have any other junior draft analysts, Eric, at home? <laughs> I wish you'd be less, <laughs> uh, less work for me, right? I get the, get the junior to work on these uh, scouting reports. I don't think we do, so I'll, I'll take the senior title, but uh, no one's reporting to me on this. You are atop the prospect pile, friend. Thank you. All right. Well, we are going to dig through that pile and take our final look at the 2022 NFL draft. Um, You heard his voice. That means he is awake. He is functioning. Eric, how are you doing? How long did you sleep after Sunday? Like, did you just all Monday? Were you just in bed? What? what, Take me through it. No, I wasn't. I wish I was. I mean, I mean, like as you know, we we both have young children, and I've got. Monday uh, driving duties, so that means getting them ready at about 6, 6.30. And so, yeah, I was kind of wired Sunday night. I didn't think I would be. I was thinking, all right, I'm just going to crash or whatever. But I made some phone calls and was doing tying up some loose ends and getting ready for the thing I was writing the next day. And all of a sudden, it was like 1 in the morning, and I was like, well, I'll be up in five hours. How about that? So I haven't caught up on sleep yet, but I feel remarkably good, at least as, as good as a semi-out-of-shape person can be. <laughs> One more pod to wrap up the Rookie Snapshot series and the NFL Draft. So after this, once you are off of this Zoom and you shut down your mic, I expect you to, well, wait, I guess you got to get through dinner, bath, and bed first, and then you can go to sleep. (laughs) Yes. After that point, coast is clear. Also, Eric has twins. Like, it's not just like, oh, I have a little kid. He has a boy and a girl fraternal twins. So there's a lot going on there. There is a lot going on there. They're in sports now, too. Both are doing well in soccer. Eloise loves it. Henrik loves it. I mean, they're daddy loves it, except, you know, when, like, practices are, are two hours apart and you have to fill time oh. in between and plan dinner. I mean, it's I'm starting to realize what's what's a, what's ahead. What lies ahead for me? That was so on Sunday, my, last, my son had a little league game and it was the last game of the regular season to see if they'd advance to the playoffs. And. It was a busy weekend in my household, obviously, as it was draft weekend. And I have a husband who works as well. And he had a busy weekend for work reasons as well. And my son, uh, I had to send him to a sleepover because, honestly, the child care was just a lot. (laughs) He did not sleep at all at this sleepover. He went into the game. He struck out at each of his at-bats. I was, I mean, listen, I was fine. I was not fine. 
was not fine. I'm supposed to be breezy about like, oh, as long as you have fun. I'm uh, not so much. And I heard one of the dads whisper, well, you know, I think the mom works in football. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe she wasn't around this weekend. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> They're already gossiping about you at the Little League games. Can you believe this? Oh my goodness. Anyway. All right. So if anybody, oh, their sports parents, it's the parents of these prospects who are now about to be professional athletes, which is a huge thing. So let's, let's move on over. And I wanted to do not just like talking about the prospects because that can get a little bit boring for fantasy purposes. Sure. We have talked Kenny Pickett and his hands ad nauseum. We have talked about Drake London and now Kyle Pitts being skyscrapers for whichever quarterback, Marcus Mariota or our boy Desmond Ritter, maybe. Um, so I wanted to contextualize things for fantasy players and maybe talk about these players' potential in a numeric way in redraft as we head to the fall. So I'm going to kick it off with the quarterback position. Not that, not that the uh, NFL owners or coaches had coaches decided to kick this draft off with the quarterback position. We're going to do it here in fantasy. I'm going to start obviously with Kenny Pickett. He's going to Pittsburgh. How much of a battle do you expect he will have with Mitch Trubisky, who it is worth noting the Steelers were very proactive about immediately signing him as the legal tampering window open to a two-year deal worth about $15 million. There's incentives and stuff, but about that much. Do you, I'm going to put the over-under at four starts, think Kenny Pickett will be over or under that number? I think I'm hammering the over. I, I I don't know exactly what the plan is going to be, and it will obviously be a little easier once we see the schedule release next week to get an idea of, you know, how tough are the first four games, how tough, you know, wins the bye week, all that stuff matters when you're thinking about a, po a possible quarterback change. And, you know, you see QB changes that are unexpected, like Tua getting in the lineup when, when uh, Fitzpatrick was playing well. But, sure. you know, that at least gives you a little more context. But hearing Mike Tomlin talk about Pickett and, you know, he's going to have to come in here and earn this job. I mean, it, it none of it was you know, Mitch is our starter and there will be no battle. A lot like what we heard in Chicago last year with, with Justin Fields and, and uh, you know, that situation, which was obviously awkward, probably led to the demise there. What do you think? I mean, I think that that's a little bit different though, because the Bears were not planning to see Justin Fields fall. I'm imagining the way he did and then trade up to seize on him. And so I, the Andy Dalton situation I think was more solidified promises were made etc um, because what fell into their laps not that they obviously capitalized it in any great way last season um, right. was not part of the preseason and I'm, I'm just wondering because of the proximity geographically that Pickett has to the franchise I mean literally the same building for Pitt and Steelers right if this was more thought out yeah, and, and he, Tomlin even had a great quote. He's like, you know, we we traveled around the world, looked for a quarterback. We ended up right back home. And so, they, you know, they obviously did their diligence on the entire class. You know, you, you saw Tomlin fawning over Willis at the Senior Bowl and this and that and everything. They had a million meetings uh, pre-draft. But, yeah, I mean, I the, the, the picket thing makes perfect sense, not just from a geographical standpoint, but you have to factor that in, right? I mean, they they – technically know him better than any team knows any prospect in this draft you would think so you would hope anyway so that said I mean you know and I and I actually don't think Trubisky is going to come in there and be a pick machine or be terrible I mean he got probably more you know 
crap than he needed to in, in Chicago. Like, I didn't think he was great by any stretch of the imagination. I also felt like he became an easy mark. There were there were multiple operational things going on there that I think could have been a lot better. That said, completely different situation. Mike Tomlin has, you know, job security. Everything's kind of set up for them to be, you know, a successful franchise for the long term. But I think Pickett could come in there and, and really impress him in the preseason. He's probably going to play in every single game. I think there will be a point where we say, are they the fourth best team in the division? Now, he's always probably going to be the fourth best quarterback in the division as long as the, the other three guys are there. So I still think he, it wouldn't shock me to see him get half a season or something like that. I, You know, yes. you never know. But, but it's that. But I, I can see an eight or a nine game sample. I'm hammering this over as well. These lines were set by producer John, by the way, so that we would be unbiased. And I, I wasn't biased right. in setting them, right? But I think eight or nine, yes. I do not think he starts week one. And this is, right. it is remarkable to me that there's a debate in which people are believing Pickett is going to be a week one starter. I, I don't believe it. And if we're going to use the argument about, well, quarterbacks that are drafted in the first round, especially the first, you know, half of the first round, they need to right. start. I mean, Trey Lance is case in point where, where that argument doesn't always hold true. And I, I also feel like you've got to, when you look at this division, you look at the Baltimore defense. Last year, let's call it an outlier a little bit because of all of the injuries they suffered. Still pretty Agreed. solid, right? You got Miles yep. Garrett in Cleveland. He is a sack master putting up gravestones, right? In his front lawn on Halloween. Like, of the quarterbacks, he's, quote, murdered. And <laughs> I, I just think that you don't want to break this guy. Like, this is a this is black and blue football. And I, I don't think you want to yeah. you want to break him before he is ready. If the thing about him that has been so positive is, as we discussed, his positive trajectory, his progress. Why halt that? If anything, you want to keep the momentum of his playing skill set evolution continuing and not, you know, regress it at all. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and you're right. I mean, we have to find out how good the Steelers offensive line is. We know it was an issue last year, a lot of run blocking issues, but also pass blocking too. And how did the new receivers, you know, incorporate and everything they drafted too. I mean, there's a lot of factors there that that could tilt this toward the over, toward the under, what have you. But I still think in the end, they're going to want to see what they have. Plus he's a little bit older. I mean, he was in college football, what, in 2016, 17 or whatever it was. So he's, you know, this isn't some 21-year-old kid that you're worried about, you know, breaking his confidence. He's had his confidence broken plenty of times at Pitt, and he kept picking himself back up and, and I thought, you know, finished his career on, on a super high note. So we'll say around eight eight to ten starts? Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. That wouldn't shock me at all. Um, yeah. Since you talked about the receivers, they're not uh, – George Pickens isn't on the outline of players to discuss, but while we're on the team, obviously coming off of an injury, he is a player we did not discuss as part of the Rookie Snapshot series. Why don't you just fill in some blanks for people who may not know? I think we both talked about privately that he uh, – maybe th through Slack, I feel like he was one of the players that you and I, while not on air, uh, said comp similarly to Chase Claypool, which is a little bit interesting since um, Chase Claypool is on the same team and in introduced right. the pick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a, a long guy at six foot three plus. I mean, you know, a pretty good arm length to a 50 50 ball guy. I mean, uh, you know, he's a skinny player, though. I mean, that's the thing you worry about. I mean, Chase Claypool has a, has a pretty thick frame and, and he's far more uh, filled out. I mean, Pickens also has really small hands. You want to talk about oh. the smallest hand size uh, receiver quarterback combo. They might be in the running. I think he's He's uh, sub nine inches as well. Although it's funny, Liz, because they, they measure it once at the pro day. They measure it once at the combine. They measure it at the senior bowl. 
And you can find all those numbers looking different. So I try not to go way in on that unless the numbers are pretty consistent. But anyway, Keita was great as a freshman. 2019 looked like a top 10 pick. You know, took a small step back in 2020. Some people said his attitude was an issue. That he had, you know, had some immature moments early in his career. But then last season, the big blow was the, uh, the ACL injury, you know, and so spring practice. And he was able to come back and make a few plays in the playoffs. So I, I kind of wonder, you know, obviously the character stuff is hard to quantify, but had he not suffered the knee injury, are we talking about a top 20 pick? Could he have gone ahead of a, um, you know, a, a Traylon Burks or whoever? You know, I, that, that's a question that you have to wonder about. And the Steelers have had some characters there at receiver before. So I, I thought it was a pretty good fit. They, I think they'll know how to uh, use him well and, and make sure he stays focused. And you expect that he will be on the field week one as the wide receiver three he, to begin? I would think so, right? I mean, it's it's Deontay and Claypool and what they got, uh, Anthony Miller. Who else? Um, Boykin. And they drafted the kid Calvin Austin uh, as well. Really good young player. He's a slot guy. But, I would, yeah, I mean, unless I'm forgetting somebody, I would imagine that he's got to be part of the, the three and four receiver sets. And they use a lot of those. So, yeah, I mean – you know, obviously the quarterback situation we'd have to kind of monitor, but neither guy's going to be dramatically different, I would think, passing production-wise, yeah. All right, let's move on to um, one of my favorite wide receivers. Jahan Dotson goes to Washington. He's not getting much talk in fantasy circles. I think everyone's so out on Carson Wentz that <laughs> it's – and I get it. And so there's not much excitement around Dotson. Also, when you've got – London going to a better landing spot and even Garrett Wilson, Olave, like Dotson is probably the one with the least fantasy juice, if you will, of those top guys. But if you look at the numbers from Washington last year, so Terry McLaurin and obviously the quarterback situation was and continues to be an obstacle here. But Terry McLaurin last year caught 77 of 131. That is like that is not efficient. But behind yeah. him, the top pass catcher behind Terry McLaurin was rookie Seals Jones with 48, then J.D. McKissick really? with 43, Antonio Ugh. Gibson with 42, Adam Humphreys with 41. The second wide receiver on the team was Adam Humphreys after yeah. the tight end who was, you know, marred with injury for a bulk of the year. J.D. McKissick <laughs> and Antonio Gibson, the two running backs, also dealt with injury issues. And then Humphreys, the slot guy. Remember when Adam Humphreys had that slot market and, like, cashed in on his oh, way yeah. to the Titans? Oh, yeah. That's a moment oh, yeah. in history. My God. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, 41 grabs. So, Jahan Dotson over under 50 catches. You know, when I, when I first saw the rundown and saw that number, I thought, ooh, it's a big, you know, it's a healthy number right there. But – the way you just kind of laid everything out, I, there, there should be a clear path. And, you know, if there is hope for the Wentz dilemma here, it's that I think Dotson's strengths play to Wentz's weaknesses. Yes. You know, he he worked with Sean Clifford, a very you know inaccurate quarterback the last couple of years at Penn State. Still managed to, you know, every single season, his his production got better and better. His drop rate went down to the point where he was one of the more sure-handed guys. And he could adjust the balls behind him. You know, he had a, a for a smaller guy, he offered you a little bit of a, a catch radius. So, um, and, you know, he, I saw a couple where he would catch it behind him and not lose momentum. You know, keep the yak possibilities going. And plus, his just natural ability to separate, whether it's downfield or underneath. I mean, he's really a three-level threat. So, 
yeah, I'm down on it like you are. But at the same time, I thought, isn't this exactly what Wentz needs? It's kind of a sure-handed guy who gets open and makes plays. And and it can maybe do a lot for his confidence if they give him some short stuff and then also some, you know, one-read deep shots where he's he's the guy or you throw it away or you check down. You know what I mean? So I, I, could, I could see it maybe going over 50. I don't know. Where are you at on this number? I'm going to take the over. I think the wrinkle for me remains Curtis Samuel and his health. Like Good point. where on the Great depth point. chart are we imagining? Has he fallen out of favor? It's hard to imagine given the coaching staff and the relationship that he had with Rivera and the Panthers connection, et cetera. Um, how healthy is he? Also, what's the plan for him? Is Curtis Samuel no, like, are we no longer expecting him to be a wide receiver too? And he's just now a gadget guy. Um, right. So, so I think assuming Curtis Samuel is not the, second most important pass catcher on this team from the coaching's point of view, the coaching staff's point of view, then I would say that Dotson has every opportunity to go over 50 catches. I also love the point you're making about Carson Wentz and these two being a marriage of skill sets. In fact, when Dotson was selected, I tweeted, if you're worried about an inaccurate passer, get yourself a mistake-free player like Dotson. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. That really is. Because he, I, you know, it, it's amazing to me that he caught, what did he have, 90 catches last year or whatever it was, and, and to do so in an offense that was, you know, pretty run heavy and kind of you know, a little bit of play action and some option mixed in. I mean, it was sort of a, you know, a spread type of offense that they ran there, and it really, you know, predicated on Clifford kind of making plays by creating and, and you know, moving around the pocket buying time. And so, you know, it's 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 a little bit of a funky offense to project in the NFL, but I think, you know, if you're looking for that same kind of parallel of a quarterback who isn't always on the money and he still found ways to catch the ball, you just watch last year's tape from Penn State. All right, let's move on to Drake London. I think this is a pretty low number. Drake London over under two touchdowns, noting that Kyle Pitts only had one last year. I'm also going to go through the rest of last year's touchdown scorers from a receiving perspective. Cordell Patterson only had five, six rushing, but five receiving. Russell wow. Gage after him with four. What bleak, I mean, right? Do you remember B? I remember being bleak, <laughs> but I don't remember being that bleak. Or maybe I just don't remember Atlanta at all because it was that bleak. And so I didn't pay any attention after a while. Yeah, if you'd offered me Kyle Pitts over one and a half touchdowns last year, I would have handed you my the, the keys to my car and, you know, my entire <laughs> collectibles, uh, you know, allotment or whatever. I mean, and it just didn't happen, right? So obviously that's a little bit of a fluky thing for as many passes as, as Pitts caught last year. But, you know, and it's not like London was some crazy touchdown producer in college. I mean, he had a good rate, you know, the last two years especially. Uh, as he was, you know, a, a starter every single game. I think he only played like 15 games combined the last two years or something. And he probably had about 10, 11 touchdowns or whatever it was. So, you know, if you use that and then water it down for NFL standards, I think you're still probably over two. But, you know, is there that that fluke chance that he gets sort of the Pitts role last year and Pitts kind of expands? I suppose it's possible, right? No. I mean, he's kind of sort of a possession guy you know i mean he can make plays downfield but i think the absence of calvin ridley like the unexpected absence of calvin ridley really threw a wrench into things because pitts was true just doubled it was so easy to take him away even as special and as much of a unicorn as he i think will end up being like in he was still a rookie learning the position as a receiver like as one of these jumbo tight end slash receivers 
And and London's just about as young as, as as Pitts is too. He's not even 21 years old yet. So there will be a learning curve. I just figured I'd I'd have to offer a little bit of a pushback to your. You kind of tipped your hand. You're like, this seems like a low number. Hmm. I, you know. I, so I knew. Yeah, you're right though. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think I. I don't think I could reasonably take under. I think I'd probably say around five. Five to six. I mean, yeah, that right. Four to seven, I think, is a perfect number, absolutely, for a 17-game season, sure. It is an interesting conversation to have. We picked some of these, and I appreciate the number that that uh, producer John selected because Drake London, in fantasy purposes, is the, is the receiver that everybody is assuming is the r- rookie number one wide receiver. Hmm. And to remember that Kyle Pitts only had one touchdown – is it should be part of the conversation i think maybe london and you know how i feel about his injury stuff especially ha- them having to have moved the pro day i think probably there's going to be a lot of helium in his stock because it's a great story and there's so many targets available with ridley not there that's a good point yeah you're right no i think i can get on board with that too and uh you know i yeah i don't know I, I'm, I'm thinking about it a little bit more maybe i i had the idea that he'd be a little little closer to the the six seven eight range or whatever but i i get i get your point of sort of meeting in the middle there uh let's talk a running back Brees hall first running back off the board um Love obviously him. i know you do projects to be what is it close to four thousand rushing yards he had at iowa state three thousand nine hundred and some um over yeah, his three like years that. as a cyclone um you said it projects to be a workhorse back. Uh, The Jets traded up to get him. When you think about the running back market, a team moving after a running back at the top of the second round, to me, demonstrates excitement, investment. And unfortunately, that's not going to be great for Michael Carter, who was a a mid-round selection, a mid-weekend selection last year. Um, Over, under... 240 carries for Brees Hall. That's about 14 carries, not touches, per game. Mm, 14 carries per game. I, you know, on the surface, you think, oh, you know, he could do that, right? But I don't know. I'm, I, I'm starting to wonder now. I mean, the Jets obviously had to kind of like split duties up a little bit last year. And, you know, I know it kind of ended up in Carter's hands and he saw some too much Tevin Coleman. And, you know, who else do they have? The Ty Johnson or whatever. Yeah. So if he takes the Michael Carter role. Well, and Michael Carter and did average, I believe, between 10 and 11 carries per game. Let's say 11. 10 and a half carries per game on average over over 2021. Okay. Okay. And he missed a couple maybe or something. Yeah. So if that's the case, I've now been talked into the over. Yeah. I mean, which like you said, it stinks for Carter owners because he, he offered some promise last year. I mean, there was, you know, some stuff that I think he's, you know, over four yards of carry, if I remember, you know, caught a bunch of passes as well. He still has a role. I think you'll, you'll see him quite a bit, obviously, as a, as a pass receiver. But, yeah, I mean, depending on how much the Jets want to run the ball and, you know, let's face it, they've got some some interesting talent at receiver all of a sudden. Um, th- there is a debate to be had, but 17-game season, t- 240 carries. I, I, I'm tempted to say the over, even if I realize the other way might be where more people head. I, I think it's I, – I like this number a lot. I mean – it's a good number. 238 wouldn't surprise me. 245 wouldn't right. surprise me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. uh, so yeah. I, I, but I, I guess the point is for fantasy managers, you can expect probably 13 to 15 <laughs> if we're really going to hedge agree. carries right. per game. Yep. For pre- I guess you are also anticipating then, maybe this is the better question or the more informative question for fantasy managers. You're expecting that Brees Hall is going to be the RB1 and the timeshare is going to look 70 30. Between Hall and Carter? 
I think that's a, that's a pretty good estimation too. And I mean, are you are you talking strictly carries seventy thirty or total touches, touches or yeah. okay? If that's the case, then maybe sixty five thirty five. Or well, what was what was what was Taylor and Naheem Hines? It was probably more slanted than that. It would have been what more like seventy five twenty five or eighty twenty roughly or something. Yeah, I think that's you about know, right. Yeah. I think it's going to have a similar feel to that, but maybe not right out of the shoot. And Carter was, you know, like I said, I I felt promising last Green. year. All right, uh, Traylon Burks for producer John got interesting with this one because you had written about <laughs> and talked about how Burks maybe didn't comp to Debo Samuel in terms of like his size, but in terms of the way he was used right. in college um, and his overall skill set, his versatility, which I think boosted his football IQ and his ability to move into a bunch of different roles at a pro level. Um, so the the line here is over under 10 carries mm. for Traylon Burks, knowing that we're in Tennessee where really the only person who carries the ball is Derrick Henry. Yeah. I don't remember AJ Brown getting a lot of carries, you know, I mean, I could be <laughs> wrong about that. Yeah. I don't remember him getting too many end around. So that said, I mean, Burks is the kind of player who I'm a little bit, I don't know. He he scares me a little bit because obviously huge shoes to fill there with AJ Brown. You know, it was a different team with and without him last year when he was hurt and things like that. I mean, you know, they had no Julio. They were just desperate to get him back. And and I feel like the expectations, even with 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 Robert Woods there, I think are going to be too high to begin with. Like you said, the helium, right? I think there'll almost be a a fantasy element of that as well. And so. Yeah, it, it does scare me on the one hand on the, when you say this is Derrick Henry's team, he's going to be the, 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 you know, the breadwinner. And then you've got Woods as well. You know, there's no way. But on the other hand, you may have to kind of scheme up touches for, for Burks to find a value for him. Right. And, you know, we've seen teams kind of embrace that, that, you know, I'm obviously even think about like Alshon Jeffrey back in the day, every game, it felt like you got at least one end around. So Maybe they see something in camp and like it. I wouldn't be stunned by that. Plus, they've used him at, at, at Wildcat quarterback. Maybe that's in the plans with Tannehill all of a sudden. Kind of, I don't know. But then they also drafted Malik. So you tell me. I'm, I'm my head's spinning on this one. Well, I, I do think it's interesting. Also, this is a copycat league, right? So whatever worked sure. really yeah. well last year is bound to be emulated ad nauseum the following year, right? For reference, Debo Samuel had 59 carries in 2021. Wow. I don't think we're coming yeah. near that. Um, thanks no. to producer John, he just slacked me and Traylon Burks had 29 total rushing attempts over the last two seasons in college. AJ mm. Brown, to answer your early question, had two rushing attempts last year. So you're right. AJ Brown did not do it very often. Are the Titans though, looking at their situation in their division and the injury that occurred to their star player, the linchpin of their entire identity, not just offense and saying, we got to get creative. We got there. We have to beat other teams. Like we can't keep getting slaughtered in the same way. We can't right. just do it. Like there's a plate in my man's foot, and he wasn't able <laughs> to get the job done in the playoffs, probably because of that. So, yeah, it, I guess it's just so hard because there is such a gaping hole with AJ Brown in Philadelphia, and so many. Even I know it's a low volume passing offense, and nobody has to come at me. But there's still a giant number of targets that have been vacated when the star receiver on the team leaves. Yep. So yep. and 
you know, I mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you what they're going to do at tight end. I know Hooper's there now. And, you know, it just sort of feels like you're right. It almost kind of sets up where they're going to have to find ways to put the ball in his hands. And, you know, as I wrote in my, my scouting report on Burks, you know, you saw him in the slot a lot in college. You saw him in the backfield. You saw those schemed up touches where the suggestion from NFL teams to me was, you know, they, it, it felt like, he may take a little while to adjust to an NFL offense or at least a, a widespread role because they kind of felt the need really you know, not extensively, but for part, all three of his seasons, they had to kind of have this specialized role. Yes. He was an athletic freak who could do it, but there was also the concern of why isn't he lined up outside beating, you know, five, 10 corners on fade balls, you know, all the time he should be right. So there was a little bit of suspicion about, um, how he did on the, the whiteboard during some of his interviews um, and just sort of getting a feel for NFL passing concepts that may take a while. So maybe that plays into the carry role. I don't know. We've spent a lot of time talking about this. I'm role. not done, though, because this think- is one of the best I know. Like, um, mysteries Thinkers. or enigmas. Yes. Yeah, right. It, yeah. It's also worth mentioning that, like, Debo Samuel did not have 59 carries as a rookie. As a rookie, uh, I yeah, mean, yeah, even yeah. in 2020, he didn't have 59 carries, right? Like it, the maturation process, evolution takes time. This is always my right. point in redraft. We get so excited because we have this like little bit of football in the spring, and then we want to like dive into it. And I think we have a tendency to like over exaggerate the value of it once we get to the fall because it was such a like a moose bouche of what can be. <laughs> and yeah, nice reference. Hmm, I like that. You- <laughs> yeah. And then it takes a minute. So I'm going to ask you this. Interestingly, okay, I'm looking at Debo stats right now, 2020. He had 6.3 targets per game in 2020. Okay. Last year, A.J. Brown, again, the Julio Jones thing obviously inflated this, had just over eight targets per game. So Traylon Burks over under six targets per game. We're going to move from carries to targets. Yeah. I'm going to say under. I just feel like it's going to be closer to five or something. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why I'm kind of stuck on that number in my head when you just you just threw this at me. So I'm uh, just a little bit leery. Like, I, I there's, a, there's a tiny Nikhil Harry vibe in my head right now. Where you just I, said that out loud. Did I curse him? Did I totally just screw his career over i don't know i trailing i'm sorry if you're listening man i didn't mean to do that but i'm uh, just you know the, the worry with harry obviously i think he had an injury his rookie year if i recall but it was it was also when they got him they realized he's a smart kid but he's got a long way to go to to pick up what we do here totally different terminology and concepts that sort of thing that that's what made it pop into my head so i i, I try to remove that curse from him i, I don't want to do that to him i think you're right though i would take the under <laughs> on six targets per yeah. game and maybe Maybe it's five targets per game, and maybe it's, yeah. on average, 0.5 carries per game. Ah, so we get 8.5 rushes this year? Is let's, that go what to, uh, let's take nine. Just under <laughs> nine. the 10. Yeah, yeah. We'll take there the under <laughs> on six targets per game like and it. the under on 10 carries per season on the season. All right, we're going to end the over-under segment with your boy, Jelani Woods, over-under 40 targets. A little context for everyone who may not be tracking Jelani Woods with the same fervor as our friend Eric Edholm. (laughs) Selected by the Colts, worth noting, Jack the Dad Doyle retired from the NFL, so there's a vacancy there. Mo Alley Cox, everyone's, I don't know if you know this, but Mo Alley Cox played basketball. Are you aware of that? I heard heard that thing once. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Isn't that funny? 
can definitely see it in his game, the whole boxing out. That I'm, I'm stopping. That's right. <laughs> anyway, Mo Alley-Cox, a player that everyone gets really excited about because of, like, that basketball background that's obviously – that's obvious and evident on the field. For what it's worth, some numbers, he was 24 of 45 in 2021. Mm. So caught 24 yeah. balls out of 45 targets. And the team also added – former Bearcat and Desmond Ritter's wide receiver one, Alec Pierce, to their squad. That's right. Yep. T.Y. Hilton also not on the squad. He's a free agent. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's it's, it's a confusing sort of mix with all the, the, the faces in and out and things like that. Obviously, Matt Ryan's there. So that, you know, gives you a little bit more trust. You think about Matt Ryan and his tight ends, not just Pitts last year, Tony Gonzalez for years after that. Let's not put Jelani there quite yet. Maybe give him a year or two, but... Yeah, I think I feel like Jelani Woods is, you know, when, when he becomes a, you know, seven-time Pro Bowler, like I've I've uh, uh, soothsayed in the past. I, I think the new the line for him is going to be, did you know he was a dual threat quarterback in high school? Yeah, that's going to be the new Mo Alley Cox thing. So it's a lot, you know, tight ends and rookies. We've had this discussion before. Dangerous territory doesn't feel like a massive number, and I wouldn't be shocked after like six, seven games where it's not on pace to, to break that where, you know, his duties are limited to run blocking or an occasional red zone target, or, you know, here or there, you know, until he kind of earns that trust a little bit. And I'm, you know, I'm just kind of spitballing here with this, but he'll have a chance. Cause that would be about two and a half. My, my rudimentary math skills tell me that would be a little over between two and three targets per game. So if you think of it that way and assume that at some point along the way, He'll have a six or eight target game. I, I, I could I could see it maybe creeping over that. I feel like we might have like that thank post Thanksgiving is gonna become maybe Jelani Woods season. Right? There like, you go. He's gonna I like eat the way you're thinking after Thanksgiving. It, it could Yeah. Future headlines yeah. to be written. Oh, you better tell Al Toby now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now from over-unders, we're going to go to more or fewer, kind of the same, but still different. <laughs> Jets' yeah. newest wide receiver, my favorite in this year's class. More or fewer catches this year than Elijah Moore, one of my favorite receivers from last year, had. For reference, Elijah Moore had 43 catches in 2021. So more or fewer than that number for Garrett Wilson in 22. Mm, boy. Um I think I think Wilson's the, the the pick here. I mean, Moore was pretty productive. You know, I mean, like he didn't play the full season. You know, he didn't start. He really kind of got that hot streak there where he seemed like he was, you know, making some hay a little bit. I still think Wilson, there's a reason why they drafted him number 10 as opposed to Moore second rounder. Now, again, he can he can be the best, you know, sort of third wheel, if you will, on this on this situation that you could imagine, but you know, Garrett Wilson, I think they have big plans for. I mean, they basically, what the Jets essentially did was, and granted, it would have cost more money. It would have cost more in terms of trade compensation. But they essentially said, these veteran receivers who are for sale, Debo, they, you know, they made a call on, made a low offer. We're going to put that to the side. We've liked, you know, Charles Robinson had a great point. They liked him early in the draft process. They liked it. They never stopped like him. And they still liked him on draft day. That's why he was the pick of 10. It it felt like they were keeping their fingers crossed to make sure Atlanta or somebody else ahead of them did not take Wilson. They had a plan B, but that was their guy. So I kind of feel like he's almost juiced into a role unless he is a colossal failure, which I, you know, is certainly possible, but I, I, he's, he's, 
he's a pretty mature kid, and I think he's got some some enough big game experience and enough sort of it factor that I think he'll be in that 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 dude role where he gets enough carries or enough touches, whether he's more used than more. I think you make an excellent point that he was being drafted to be that guy, right? And last year, Corey Davis, I think, given the free agency situation, was supposed to be that guy. And it, it didn't work out, right? But he was the presumed uh, Good point. number one, which it didn't work out. And so Elijah Moore then had an opportunity. But Garrett Wilson is coming in, I think, with that um, wide receiver one, big, like never showed, never folded under the brightest of lights, can handle the pressure, the New York media market, all of that. (laughs) Like, I I think that they did their research on him and we have seen enough acrobatic catches on a very, maybe the the highest, you know, collegiate level that this seems like the next realistic promotion for him. Yeah, and I would, by the way, watch an entire pod of you doing the New York media <laughs> voice. I would, I would, I would, I would, I would bear through it all the whole hour. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, the Corey Davis factor is interesting too because he was, you know, such a disappointment. I know he didn't play the whole season or whatever, but still, I mean, yeah, it's it's a little bit muddled, but yeah, I mean, I I just sort of feel like he's going to have every opportunity. Maybe not to be that rookie of the year candidate, maybe, but maybe not. Um, cause they've added, you know, receiving help at tight end and they move Carter and maybe more of a receiving role as well. So, you know, there, there's some, some breaks that have to be thrown on at some point, but I do feel like he's going to get an opportunity to be their, their go-to guy. So you think at that Garrett target. Wilson, you think that Garrett Wilson is going to lead the receiving core in targets and catches? I, I, I think so. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. If it's May, what do I, no one's going to remember this in August. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, just you wait. Have you not been on Twitter, friend? Uh, <laughs> not lately. <laughs> don't blame you. All right, Chris Olave. Let's move to the, I think Chris Olave is probably my favorite rookie for fantasy purposes in for it's redraft for 2022 yeah. Yeah. immediately. More or fewer yards. Do you think he will basically more or fewer yards than Michael Thomas? Let me say oh. then, do you think Chris Olave will in 2022 outproduce Michael Thomas from a yardage perspective? What a great question, too, because of all the unknowns surrounding Thomas right now. I want to hear your Thomas views, too, but my, my gut reaction is to say, oh, gosh, no, we're, we're forgetting how good Thomas was, and, you know, he was the man. But remember, there's been a change at quarterback. You can't replicate that rare chemistry that he and Breeze had, right? We, we've seen him, what, seven games over the last two years combined? Am I, am I not right about that number? I, I mean, I have some real worries about him, and I think Olave – that like it's clear if you add up all the draft pick compensation it took to get in a position to draft him and then eventually move up to draft him i mean th- they believe he and trevor penning are going to be stars uh, based on what they paid so i don't know you give me yours but i'm starting to think that olave can be that guy olave's route running made him the crispest maybe most polished receiver in this year's class. And I think that if you're running a rebuild and your future Hall of Fame face of the franchise quarterback retired, you need a player with technical acumen to at least, you know, in that division too, like not embarrass you. But this is a franchise that cannot be embarrassed. There's no more Sean Payton. There's no more Drew Brees. In many ways, this is a clean slate. Um, an inflection moment for the franchise moving forward. And 
so you have, similarly to Dotson, right, this mistake-free player who can slide in, and you don't necessarily want a high-ceiling player. You want a high-floor player to add some consistency to just help balance, especially when you have a quarterback as volatile as Jameis Winston. From fantasy purposes, we know that Jameis can, like, absolutely feed a receiver but we also know that Michael Thomas, like, I do think it's good that Olave's a Buckeye in a weird way. Like, I think that that kind of helps Thomas warms him to the situation. But we know yeah. that... And they're buddies, apparently, yeah. We also know that he's not, like, the most easygoing of personalities. And <laughs> we also know that Drew Brees kind of had that presence, was able to keep him rooted. And that's where a lot of this drama has come from surrounding Thomas, the betrayal that he feels that he may rightfully feel. And I don't know if Jameis Winston has like that same grounding effect for the rest of the receiving core. So would it surprise me if Olave, who we know is a technician, can enter and end up with... The question is, is Thomas, for me, maybe this is a this isn't a you know, a, a stats-based data pie answer, but is Thomas going to be triggered or motivated? Hmm. It's tough putting yourself in his head, right? We haven't heard a lot from him. We don't really kind of know what his reaction will be. I mean, obviously there's been so much change. I don't believe he's spoken publicly. You know, we, I don't know. I mean, I he just tweeted when Olave was picked. He did? Right? Like, yes, oh, he liked the, the yeah. Buckeye connection. Yeah, they they spent I guess apparently spent some time talking and then I heard Olave actually talking about it at the at the combine if I'm not mistaken where he was sort of saying that he had a little bit of a relationship. That's when the Olave to to the Saints uh, Saints love was was first kind of leaked, but yeah, I still feel like there there's maybe a part of Michael Thomas that that feels like we've all, we've almost moved on from him. You know, it's been so long since we've seen Peak Thomas that that you know, it's like here's the dude who set the catch record and this and that. And we, you know, it was just automatic. It felt like every single week. So I could say motivated for the short term. I don't know. I, or I could say aggravated too. I mean, I don't know. That's going to be one to watch over camp. I think we do. Yeah. I don't think there's a way to answer that in May until we hear from Thomas and hear from his camp, because I could also, it would not surprise me if there was a, a giant, you know, summer, like a, a, um, a training camp injury, like one of those, like, oh my God, like Jordy Nelson, you know, preseason injuries and Thomas gets shipped to a different squad that might be a contender. It would not surprise me if he's not even on this team. So we'll, we'll pause on that. But I think the informative piece for fantasy managers to absorb and digest is that this could be closer than anybody's anticipating. Yeah, I agree. I like that. Which yep. only helps bolster to me Olave stock. Um, all right, last of this section, we're going to start going a little bit quicker. Seattle running back, Kenneth Walker, more or fewer total yards than Rashad Penny. So, Penny, always a durability issue. I think we all agree yeah. that this pick is an indictment on Chris Carson's health and ability to return, availability for 2022. Penny had a hell of a late-season surge last year. Insane. But – I mean, if we're looking at the overwhelming data, he's rarely on the field, right? Like that seems to be the anomaly over his career. So Kenneth Walker, overall, at the end of 2022, who has more yards, total yards? Oh, it's still tough, though, because you heard, you know, on the one hand, you hear Pete Carroll make, go out of his way to mention Rashad Penny when he's talking about A William. Um, always believable Pete Carroll. Yeah, that's true, right? He, he he's he's always very straight about these things. But when he talked about, I almost said Williams Walker. Thank you. Yeah, he said he and yeah he and Rashad, based on what he did at the end of last year, are really gonna 
going to work together well. And I could see it, you know, obviously when they're both healthy, it could be really fun, but you, you, the health part you can't overlook. And and maybe there was some fool's gold in what he did down the stretch, meaning what, what Penny did. I wanted to like, you know, I had a good grade on him coming out. And when we've seen him, you know, flourish, it's like, ah, I was, I was kind of right. I was almost there, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the, the durability factor, I mean, look what Walker did. Oh, granted it was only one year where he was in a featured role, but you know, every defense he faced knew he was getting the ball 20 times a game and they still couldn't stop him. So, I mean, yeah, I think two games where you could argue where he was held in check. So yeah, I mean, even if Penny were to go off for a little bit early in the season, I think he ended up with like what almost 800 yards and all of it coming in like the end of the year, right? I mean, I still could see Walker finding a way to 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 outlast him by the end of the year. I don't know which way are you leaning on this. Walker. Yeah, you yeah. kind of have to, don't you? I, and I know that the pass catching or the limited pass catching experience is a bit of a misnomer. It also wouldn't surprise me to see like Penny kind of take on more of that role. And then Walker, we, but Scott Pianowski made this point on Monday's pod. Like AJ Dillon taught us a lesson. That man was not allowed to catch balls. Remember? Like, no, there's no way he yeah, can do yeah, it. Yeah. And then we learned a lesson. So I think that players that are, this isn't, this is also like the number two consensus running back in the 22 class. Maybe the number one, depending on whose board you're looking at. Sure. Absolutely. They are athletic gods, right? Like these are titans. They have the ability to learn a new skill set. This isn't a third round pick. This isn't a fourth round pick. This is like a number two top of his game at this position pick. So Mm -hmm. I believe that he has the ability to evolve his skill set. Maybe it doesn't happen till December. Maybe it doesn't happen till 23. But I do think he outproduces Penny, who up until it's the breakout took too long. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think you'd even argue, you know, Jonathan Taylor's caught, what, 30-plus passes the last couple of years. He was regarded as a terrible pass catcher in college, even though they would check it down to him his senior year. But, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. They, these are absolutely opportunities for him to get more thrown to it. They, they just did not throw it to him. And it wasn't – I the couple of times they did, it wasn't like, oh, God, that watching him catch the football gives me the – no, he was he looked fine, right? So you you could add that to his skill set, no question. All right, two big wide receiver questions for you. Will Jamison Williams play in a game before Halloween? Obviously, he's going to Detroit. I feel like everyone is wildly excited about this, but hold on, Asterisk. Like, remind <laughs> me. I, I know that ACLs. Have, everyone does it, right? Like everybody returns from an ACL. It's no big thing anymore. He's super young. It should even be shortened. They, recovery usually takes nine months. I mean, when OBJ yeah. tears his ACL, again, this is granted for the second time, in the Super Bowl though, you're automatically counting nine months to be like, oh, he'll be back in November, right? That is the math we do. So if he tore, this is Williams, tore his ACL on January 10th of 2022 in the Natty versus Georgia, and we know that DJ Chark is on a one-year deal. And DJ Chark also has 4-3 speed. Not the same player, but if you need a field stretcher right. who's fast and available immediately, uh, admittedly coming off of his own injury problems, then why would you, unless the answer is because it's the Lions, push Williams onto the field? I think there's an argument to be made. They want to see what they have as quickly as they can and see if there's any chemistry with Jared Goff to decide, look, is Goff done after this year? Who knows? Like, Goff could be terrible this year. He could be decent. I mean, you know, part of me is being a little bit of a, of a devil's advocate here because I realize, you know, obviously kind of where your stance is here. <laughs> 
No, no, no. I just mean like, you know, I'm trying to think of some counterpoints that people might want to, you know, oh, I never thought of that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there there is this concern of like, bring them back too soon. Obviously, you tear your ACL once, your chances of tearing it again are much higher, like way greater than, than anybody else uh, who hasn't had any injury. Then again, ACLs are so routine these days where you've, you've seen guys start doing stuff at six months that they used to wait till nine months to do. And I think there is just an excitement. I don't know where the Lions are going to be at that point of the season, right? I mean, you could easily say, well, they'll be, you know, two and six or, or three and seven or whatever, you know, and, and, and if that's the case, okay, do we have to rush this guy out there and make sure he gets hurt again? No, okay. But I'm telling you, there's such an excitement around that building, and maybe the Packers are still the king of that division. Maybe the, you know, the no. Vikings are better than we think. Yeah. You know, yeah, maybe the Bears are, are oh, Super Bowl out. bound. Liz. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> they can't. But they, I mean, I, Jones is they as old feel as like, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I will say though, the I've talked to the Lions, and they are excited. They're not saying like we think we're going to the playoffs, but there is a tangible buzz there, and they can't wait to see what what Jameson Williams can do. I mean, you just have to kind of play it by ear. I would say I think he is going to play before then. I really okay. think that – I think he's going to get on the field. I don't know. They said he's going to be ready by training camp. I find that a little bit hard he to believe. He said he was going to be mean, ready by training camp. And players always overestimate or underestimate they their do. recovery. They do. He said You're that. right. I know. But I, I don't – I didn't hear any lines people saying like, whoa, Jameson, hold on now. No. But So October 10th would be nine months to the day. Is that right? Yeah, right. So, so I, I, so you got three weeks after that to play with, right? You bring him back from pup list. You put him out there, get him in practice, see what he could do. If he's not good, you shut him down. I don't know. All right. So here's the here's the second question. I maybe see the field is not accurate. Produce because if we're he's going to concentrate on his recovery first and foremost. Does True, he have the right. capacity to also when we talk about we hear about these rookies saying that like they hit this draft plateau because that year is the longest year for them because of the pre-draft process. Yep. And the Lions are far from a proven franchise. So can he absorb playbook and concentrate on his recovery and have Jared Goff Build as his quarterback, and, right? And have right. Chem- chemistry. <laughs> right. And lights out produce. Yeah. Lights out producer, I would think would be asking a lot, but I, I think you're going to see the little seeds of what he can do. He'll, ha- you know, he'll have a game this year where he catches two passes for 84 yards. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I foresee a day where we're, we're already talking about what Jameis can do in 2023 based on, you know, getting five targets a game and averaging, you know, 45, 60 yards, whatever. I mean, I'm just saying I could see Lions fans be like, now nah, we need to get him the ball more, but you 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 make a, a compelling argument. It's fair to say. All right. I don't know pr- productions in the cards right away. Who do you think then? All right. So let let's. I agree with you. I think what you said is perfect. That there's going to be moments of flashiness, and he'll have these big blow up games, and it'll be hard. I mean, that's also kind of the player he is, right? It's it's not, he's not going to be the most consistent producer on the field given his right. skill set. Not a possession guy, right? Right. Yeah. So then, which of these, if we're looking at the dominoes, Lions pass catchers? Does his presence most help? Amon Ross St. Brown stretches the field for him to be pretty productive, right? This this is a man who caught 90 balls. 90 balls. 90 out of 119. Now, again, it's a slot guy, so, you know, they're not as long, and so it's an easier – 
what is it? The like degree of difficulty is a little bit shorter right. because of the length. Um, five touchdowns for him. Hawkinson, I think, is interesting. Like this is a player that everyone's like, oh my god, the target volume. He's going to be amazing. Who else is there? And then of course, defenses were able to key in on him, and the house of cards fell until St. Brown, frankly, was like discovered and utilized in a different way. Or DeAndre Swift, who caught, let's see, 62 balls last year for just over not 450. Wow. You're not mad about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Is, or is the answer all? Like, I guess I am particularly interested to see Hawkinson's stock um, yeah, reestablish itself. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Obviously, you know, again, we just talked about how it's going to take Jamison some length of time, whether, you know, we have to be determined or whatever to get back and, and also to make his imprint felt, but ha- simply having him on the field, I think will be something that defensive coordinators will be aware of. And the second he gets out there, you know, you're already worried about the deep ball because he is so good at that. And he is so fast. And, and, you know, even if he's not, producing quote unquote he can still have an effect on the way teams play the lines so maybe second half of the season tj hawkinson season i don't know you know i mean that that could i could see that possibly helping open things up because your safeties are where to get beat over the top not about what's necessarily in front of them down the slot i don't know that's just my first first uh blush response I like it. there i like it i'm gonna get ready listeners there'll be a lot of tj hawkinson rebound articles from one liz loza this summer again <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, we're going to do what I have one personal question for you because I got all, I, I have my take on this. I'm not going to give it to you. I will say I got a lot of heat for my opinion on this uh, on the Twitter. How much or how little do you like Christian Watson in Green Bay? And do you believe that he can earn Aaron Rodgers trust as quickly as perhaps the franchise believes he can slash should? Boy, I don't know. I it, I mean, like, they were ready to run Devontae Adams out of town after his, you know, before his third year, I guess. Jordy Nelson, prior to that Super Bowl, like, had he ever produced? I mean, you know, I mean, other than a 400-yard season or what have you, you know what I mean? He was a, a clear-cut number three or four in that offense and didn't get a ton of balls. And, and But by the end of their careers, they were the guys, right? I mean, I guess Greg Jennings kind of broke that mold. Didn't, didn't he not kind of break out early in his career, I want to say? you know, But it, Greg Jennings has been out of the league quite a while. So it's been a minute since a rookie receiver, I think, earned that level of trust to where he not only becomes fantasy relevant, but but somebody you could even you know consider playing, right? I get it that he's also kind of like... Uh, you know, I mean, it Burks in the sense that you can give him handoffs. He did plenty of that. You could, you know, you can do some fun stuff with him. But, you know, given his drop rate in college, one out of every 11 passes. 12.7%, I mean, friend. Yeah, there you go. Or even more. So one out of every eight passes. Okay, even worse than I remembered. So, yeah, I think you're, you and I are on the same page here. I, this one doesn't feel right. I, for year, for year one, I would not, I would not be touching him. I mean, also, I, I Packers fans are like, well, Devontae Adams was the second round selection who uh, dropped a lot of balls. And yeah, and it took him three years to break out. Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old. At the end of three years, there's a very high likelihood he's retired. The window here is not the same as it was seven years ago. Absolutely. 100% agree. And it's funny to think, too, because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe both guys kind of had breakout games in in the playoffs. I remember Devontae having a big game after he'd been like dogged on. 
Jordy, the same thing against the Steelers in the Super Bowl. He had the two, I think two touchdowns, if I remember. It, you know, and it was like from that point on, that's when he when they earned the trust. Unless my 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 memory is a little fading, failing me, but uh, I don't know. So. I, I'll give you your answer in, in January of, of 2023, whether he can do it for next year. That's the best I got. Fair enough. Last question. Um, offensive rookie of the year. There are, of course, odds on this already. They came out immediately after last weekend's festivities. Kenny Pickett is leading with plus 650, followed by Drake London, actually also at 650. So those are the two most likely options per Vegas. Traylon Burks at plus 750, which I think is bananas, just like especially after what we all just talked about. Right. Garrett yeah. Wilson at plus 800. Brees Hall at plus 900. Christian Watson at plus 900. He's got that Rogers bump. And then both Sky Moore, who we didn't talk about, and Chris Olave, actually, as well as Kenneth Walker. Sky Moore, Kenneth Walker, wow. and Chris Olave all tied uh, at plus 1100 odds. I think it's interesting that Sky Moore is all the way down there with the Pat Mahomes bump and Christian Watson. Some ND State fans making these, uh, setting, yeah. these <laughs> setting these odds up. All right. So offensive rookie of the year, who's your pick? Uh, Brees Hall. I think it's yeah, I'm running year, back. I, I mean, why not? Right. I think in a year where there's only really one quarterback where we realistically could see starting 10 plus games, barring an injury or whatever, something unforeseen, right? Like we, if we just talked about the idea that he's going to get 200 plus touches. Okay. So we could be talking about a eight, 900, maybe a thousand yard season. Uh, maybe he catches a few passes, you know, maybe the jets offense is more productive and he gets, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked. Your pick of, I mean, your guy Olave, I think would be a good pick too. And then Walker would be another interesting one as well. I mean, honestly, I just, I think there's going to be too much wide receiver love and expectations that are going to be just sort of inflated a little. I don't know. Where, where are you, where are you going? You read my mind actually. Cause for me, it was between Olave and Brees Hall. Um, oh really? Yeah. Oh, I, you, I thought your reaction was, holy f- you're dumb. You know, no, no, like, no, no, no. I, okay. Um, good. okay. It, it was between those two. I think for exactly what you said, I was pulling away from Hall. I'm, so I'm on the fence about Olave because he's not attached to, I, I just, like, I don't know how much I can trust him as he's attached to Jameis Winston, right? Like that's right. a little right. bit problematic. And if Michael Thomas like has a resurgence, blah, but I was pulling away from statistically you're right for Brees Hall. I just, it's hard to believe that the running back position given the market would yeah. win that. You know, like yeah. you would look at this and assume it would be Kenny Pickett. That's why he's at the top because he's a quarterback and sure. quarterbacks tend to tend to win these things. But we talked about how he isn't likely to start a full season. So, yeah. How many games do you think Pickett would need to start to realistically be in the running for, for this award? Now, again, assuming there's no kind of, you know, Jamar Chase like performance, you know what I mean? Like a standard rookie uh fantasy outlook how many like could, 14 could pick it start 12 okay i was gonna say 12 would that be the minimum but 14 makes sense yeah 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 especially with a longer season you're right probably that's what i would do all right well we i'm gonna end it on the, that note because eric said i Boom. was right um thank you <laughs> eric eric's married he knows how to do it um thank uh, yeah. you eric for joining me on this wild rookie snapshot ride throughout the month of april and now into the first week of May. We are done with all of that. We're going to see how these picks turn out. Um, You guys tab this episode and go after Eric if anything we said is wrong. (laughs) 
You can follow him in order to do that at Eric underscore at home. And uh, if you want to do it to me too, fine, go ahead. I'm available on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. Make sure you're following the mothership, by the way. That's at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Scott will be back on Monday with a look at how this offseason will change their quarterback rankings. Also, all of our quarterback rankings and positional rankings are out as the Yahoo Fantasy game is live and available for you to start tinkering with, mock drafting, sign up for, check out our rankings and see how wrong we are. We know you guys love to do it. Until then, we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.